0: Simon Eisenthal was a famous Jewish writer who wrote a remarkable short story way back in 1976 entitled The Sunflower. It was an autobiographical of a, account of an experience he'd had 30 years prior to that uh, while incarcerated in a German concentration camp. While on a work detail, he was turning a barn into a field hospital, and as he was working, one of the German nurses came to him and grabbed him by the arm and said, Come quickly, come quickly. So he followed her to wherever it was she was going. And she guided him to a young man, a German soldier, whose head was wrapped in a bandage and his head was bleeding profusely. His eyes were covered by the bandages. He was grabbing for Eisenthal's hand, and finally he found it and grabbed hold of it with a death grip, and he cried out, I must talk to a Jew before I die. Eisenthal said, I am a Jew. And the man told him the story. He said, my SS troop was sent to burn down a Jewish house. We set it on fire. And then we stood there and shot the family as they ran out of the fire. He said, I cannot get that out of my mind. And before I die, I must ask you, a Jew, to forgive me. Eisenthal said in his autobiographical account, he said, when he said that, I jerked my hand away and turned and went out the door without saying a word to him. And then he added, and that has bothered me for 30 years. What would you have done if you were Simon? What would you have done if you were the Jew looking at a German who had slaughtered some of your people? And now he's asking for forgiveness. Today we're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus told that might be the most personal, the most painful, and in some ways the most confusing parable that Jesus ever told. And it really is a story about struggling with forgiveness. I've struggled with forgiveness in the past and my guess is you probably have too. And in fact, you might be struggling even with it right now. And here's why we struggle so much with forgiveness. We struggle because there was a day when someone hurt you deeply and now they owe you for the pain they caused you. I'll say that again. I think the reason that you and I struggle with forgiveness was is because There was a day when somebody hurt you. And now, they owe you for the pain they caused you. Now for some of you, that day was when you were a child. For some of you, that day was last week, or maybe last month, or maybe last year. But every hurt has a day. You probably don't remember the date But you remember the day. You'll probably never forget the day. The day that your spouse walked out on you. The day that a friend lied about you. The day that your father abused you. The day that somebody hurt you by lying to you and about you. And here's the problem. Look up here for a moment. Here's the problem. The Scripture teaches us the importance of forgiving those who have hurt us. Our head tells us that's what we need to do. But our heart tells us that we need to hold on to the hurt, right? And so we struggle. Our head tells us you need to do this. Our heart says, screams, no, they don't deserve it. And so we struggle with anger and we struggle with resentment and we struggle with forgiveness. So how do you forgive somebody that's deliberately hurt you? How do you forgive somebody that refuses to apologize? How do you forgive somebody that doesn't deserve forgiveness? For some of you, it gets even worse, doesn't it? Because it's not just that they did something wrong, but they have done it to you repeatedly. They have repeatedly hurt you over and over again. They promise I'll never do it again, and they do. They promise I'll stop, and they don't. And did you know that there's a story in the Bible that deals with that very issue? One day, Peter came to Jesus with a very hard question. And you can read about that in Matthew chapter 18 if you'd open God's Word with me. Matthew the 18th chapter. We're going to start with verse 21 where Jesus comes to, or Peter comes to Jesus with this very hard question. And here it is in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Peter's not asking, why should I forgive him? Nor is Peter asking, how can I forgive him? What does Peter ask? He says, how many times do I have to forgive him? uh, In other words, here's what Peter's saying Lord, where do I draw the line? Where do I say, enough is enough? I know I'm supposed to forgive. But when can I just kind of draw the line and say, I've had it with him. I've had it with her. Enough is enough. So that's the question Peter's asking. How many times does my brother sin against me? How many times do I have to forgive him? Now I want to ask you a question. Who, who asks that kind of question? Uh, probably somebody who's been hurt repeatedly. Maybe somebody who knows that they need to forgive, but they're looking for a loophole. Now, we don't know who wronged Peter, but evidently somebody had. I don't think this was just a theological question. I don't think Peter was coming to Jesus and saying, I, I, I've got this theological question. I've been wrestling with this in my mind. And, and, and uh, could you just kind of help me work through this? That's not what, what's happening here. Somebody has offended or hurt Peter and they have done it repeatedly. It might have been somebody in his family. He says, when my brother sins against me, maybe it was a little brother. Maybe it was one of the twelve One of the twelve where Peter was saying, you know what, there's that guy, and I just can't, we just don't hit it off. We just, you know, I I don't want to mention him, but you know who it is, Lord. How many times do I have to forgive that guy? Or maybe it was somebody in his hometown, maybe it was in Capernaum where he and his wife lived, and maybe there was a neighbor, Who, who knows who it was, but apparently there was somebody, somebody that was hard to deal with, and hard to live with, and Peter says, how many times do I have to forgive this person? Now, the reason perhaps he's asking that question was in the days of Peter, the Jewish rabbis taught that you had to forgive somebody three times. They based it on the book of Amos more than likely. We won't get into that, but but their theological teaching, the rabbis, they would teach, you've got to forgive them once and then if they do it again, forgive them twice. If they do it again, forgive them a third time. That's the way God forgives us. That's what the rabbis would say. And say, you've got to forgive them at least three times. To Peter's credit, he's saying, Lord, how about this? How about if I double that and add one for good measure? Would that be enough? Can I draw the line then? Can I say enough? If, if, I, if I keep forgiving him and I, I let it go, uh, it, once we hit seven, is that enough? And so let's look at the story and see what happens. Verse 22, Jesus answers him. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or in some translations it says 70 times 7. And it's hard to discern which, it, which way we ought to uh, interpret that. But regardless of which number you use, whether it's 77 or 490, here's what Jesus was saying. Peter, if you're looking for a limit, you're not even close. If you're looking for the place to draw the line, you've got a long way to go. And in order to make this issue very clear, then, watch this, then Jesus told the parable, a story about forgiveness. And so let's read the parable or the story. Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now let me just pause there for a moment. Ten thousand talents. We don't know exactly, but it was millions of dollars. Scholars, depending on which scholar you read, uh, they would translate that that this man owed somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to fifty million dollars. That's how much he owed. In other words, he had an impossible debt to repay. I mean, when he looked at his credit card statement, 30 to $50 million on his credit card. He like this is an impossible debt to pay. Let's read the story. In fact, it says in the very next verse, since he was not able to pay, It's an impossible debt since he was not able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The master has decided, let's just cut our losses. I just want to be done with this guy. Just take them all, sell them, put them in prison, sell whatever you got to do, uh, sell their house, sell everything they've got. And listen, I know it won't come close to what he owes me, but let's just clear the account. And so the servant fell on his knees, verse 26. The servant fell on his knees. Before him, Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back. What's that next word, church? I'll pay back everything. Now, this guy knows he's in a hopeless situation. This guy knows he doesn't deserve this, but he's going to ask for it anyway. Listen, if you'll just be patient with me, if you'll just give me enough time, I'm going to pay back everything. Now, watch what happens in verse 27. This is the amazing part. The servant's master took pity on him. Watch this, cancel the debt and let him go. Now if you mark your Bibles, I'd encourage you to underline the phrase, cancel the debt and let him go. This was Jesus' way of showing us what real forgiveness is. Real forgiveness is when you set someone free from what they owe you. Write that down if you're taking notes. Real forgiveness is when you set someone free from what they owe you. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is not necessarily a feeling as much as it is an action. Real forgiveness is when you set someone free from what they owe you. Do they deserve it? That's not the issue. Did they apologize? That's not the issue. Did they come back and say, I'm sorry, and beg, and plead? That's not the issue. Real forgiveness is when you set someone free from what they owe you. You quit trying to make them pay for what they did to you. And here's a point of the story that I think we often overlook. Many times those who wrong us are like the servant in this parable. They have a debt that is impossible for them to repay. Somebody who has hurt you Somebody that's on your mind right now. Somebody that you're angry at right now. And you want them to pay for what they've done to you. You want them to pay for the way they've treated you. You want them to pay for the way that they responded to you. And here's the problem. They likely have a debt towards you that they could never repay. Just like this man in the story. I mean, for example, how can a man or a woman who walked out on his family ever repay that debt? You can't. How can a parent who physically or sexually abused a child ever repay that debt? You can't. How can someone who said hateful, hurtful lies about you, how could they ever repay that debt? They can't. Or listen to this. How could someone who is now dead ever repay that debt? And yet you're still angry with them. You're still bitter towards them. And they've been in the grave for years. They have a debt that is impossible for them to repay. That was the man in the story. Jesus is trying to help you and I understand what forgiveness is. And the truth is, it is impossible for them to repay you. And yet that is exactly what we do. We wait on them to pay for what they did to us. Whenever you're hurt, uh, whenever somebody hurts you, in your mind, Get this, get this. In your mind, there's always a debt and they owe you. In fact, we use this terminology. We say, they owe me an apology. Why do we use that that terminology? They owe me an apology. We use that terminology because in our mind, whenever we've been hurt, whenever somebody has wronged us, there is always a debt. They need to pay for what they've done. They owe me an apology. And so we hold on to our anger and we hold on to our bitterness and we get more miserable by the day until that person pays for what they've done. And you know what? I've been there, I bet you have too. We feel justified because we're right and they're wrong. We feel justified in our position because we know what they did. We feel justified in our position because we understand I don't owe them anything. They owe me because they're the ones who hurt me. They're the ones who lied about me. They're the ones that walked out on me. They are the ones who did that to me. You see, here's what you need to understand about forgiveness. There is always a debt. And that's why Jesus told the story the way he did Here was a man who had a debt he could never repay. And if you're waiting on that person to pay a debt that they could never repay, you're going to wait a long, long time. Real forgiveness is not something you do once they apologize. Real forgiveness is when you decide cancel the debt. And you say, I'm no longer going to make you pay for what you did to me. Here's a practical lesson. I, I put it on the screen because I want you to see this. Don't try to collect from the people who hurt you because the people who hurt you can't pay you. They can't. You want them to pay. Maybe they deserve to pay. Maybe they ought to pay but the people who hurt you can't pay you. That's why God says this in verse 27. Look at the text. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. It might be time for you to do that. Just to say, I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to cancel the debt, and I'm going to let her go. They have a debt. I keep wanting them to pay for what they did, but... Now you realize they can't pay you, so just cancel the debt. That's the first half of the story where Jesus explains what real forgiveness is. Real forgiveness is when you cancel the debt and let them go. Now, if you're pushing back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. they don't deserve that. No, 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 no. No, that that doesn't sound right. I I can't just cancel debt and let them go. Then you need to see the second half of this story. Second half of this story deals with why we should forgive others. Why is it that we should forgive people? And the answer might surprise you a little bit. Why should we forgive people? Well, look at verse 28. Let's continue the story. The second half of the story begins in verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The servant in the parable went out and did something unbelievable. The man who had just been forgiven of millions of dollars in debt, he'd been forgiven of that. He went out and he did something unbelievable. In fact, notice in verse 28 how it says, but when that servant, the one who had just had his master forgive his million dollar debt, that servant, the one that the master showed mercy on, that servant. The one who left his master and that big load, his, his master had paid his $30 million credit card bill. That servant went out. And the Bible says in that verse, in verse 28, that that servant went out and, and the word is he found, he found one of his fellow servants. And so the word found there doesn't mean that they happened to cross paths, but it meant that he went looking for him. He went searching for him. That that servant, the one who had just been forgiven so much, he decided to go out and look for the guy who owed him money. And look at verse 28 and you tell me, talk back to me for a moment, how much did that guy owe him? It was a hundred, what? 100 denarii. A denarius was a Roman silver coin that represented a laborer's daily wage. You were paid every day, and every day if you're a Roman soldier, you were, you were paid one silver coin, a denarius. That was your daily wage. In comparison, the, the guy who had been forgiven of 30 to 50 million dollars, the 100 denarius, was the equivalent of about roughly 17 dollars. So he went looking for the guy who owed him $17. Let's read the story, verse 28. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Then it all turns on verse 30. But he refused. Three words. Three word sentence. Be patient with me. I will pay you back. But he refused. This is the pivot point in the story. This is a deliberate, calculated decision that this man made. He refused. And that's what some of you have done or you are doing, isn't it? You refuse to forget. You refused to let go, you refused to forgive. And not only did he refuse, he took it a step further, but he refused, and instead he went off and he, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Even they could understand, this is not right. What, what he just did is just not right. And he, he threw this guy into debtor's prison. The debtor's prison is kind of a catch-22 because you couldn't get out of prison until you paid your debt, but you couldn't pay your debt until you got out of prison to work for, to pay the debt. And so this man was thrown into debtor's prison by the guy who had just been forgiven of 30 to $50 million. He threw this guy into debtor's prison because that guy owed him $17. Now, let's see how all this plays out. Verse 32 through 34 are really key verses in the story. For the first time in the story, the master gets very angry. Verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. That is the one who had been forgiven so much. The one who refused to forgive the uh, the other guy. And here's how he addressed him. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And watch this. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 33, there's a word you need to see there. Shouldn't you have had... What's that next word? Mercy. Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Shouldn't you have treated this guy differently? Shouldn't you have had mercy on him? he, He may have deserved debtor's prison, but shouldn't you have otherwise said, No, I'm not going to do that to you? You see, this is where the story gets uncomfortable. This is where the story takes a twist. And if you're not listening, I want you to focus for a moment because this is such an important part of the story. The first half of the story, let me break it down for you. The first half of the story is a story about really what God has done for us. In the first half of the story, we are the guy or the gal and we had a debt that we could not pay. But the Master, who is God... The master of the story took pity on us and he canceled the debt that we owed him because Jesus Christ died, shed his blood to cover our sins and to pay the sin debt we could never repay. Can somebody say amen? The first half of the story is the story about what God has done for us through Jesus and through the cross. And he canceled a debt we could never repay. The second half of the story Second half of the story is where it gets uncomfortable because God says, I expect you to do for others what I have done for you. When you refuse, you are refusing to give God the very thing God gave you. Does that make sense? That God has forgiven your enormous debt that you could never repay, and then somebody has offended or hurt you, and God says, now here's what you do. You forgive them just like I forgave you. But if you refuse, if you refuse to forgive them of their debt, then you are disgracing the grace you have received. May I remind you that one day, if you are a Christian, one day you're going to stand in the presence of Almighty God, the Maker of heaven and earth. And may I also remind you that when you stand before the Maker of heaven and earth, You're standing before the one who, according to Psalm 103, has separated you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. May I also remind you that you will stand before the one who, according to Micah 7, has buried your sins in the depths of the sea. May I also remind you that you will stand before the one who has nail prints in his hands and his feet as a testimony of the price he paid to forgive you of your sin, to cancel your debt. You will stand before him. And will you, do you really think you're going to have the audacity to say, well, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't forgive that guy what he did to me. Really? God said, do you, do you understand the enormity of the debt? that I forgave you. Jesus really tells us this story to to really say I, I, I just want you to learn the lesson of memory. We all have memories. And for some of us they're not very good. For some of you here today they may be painful. Memories of your childhood. Memories when you're a teenager memories when you're in college. Memories that won't go away. Somebody hurt you and they ought to pay for what they did to you. And you have the memories. And Jesus said, I understand. And I know all about it because I saw it happen. But there's another memory you need to hold on to. The other memory you need to hold on to was the day I canceled your debt. The day that you put your faith in the blood of my son, the enormous debt that you could never repay, that sin debt, I want you to also hang on to that memory, the day that I washed your sins away. I canceled the debt. Now, because I've canceled that debt, I'm not asking you to do this, I'm not expecting you to do this. I am demanding that you do this because I am your master and your Lord. You do for them what I've done for you. And that's hard. There's nothing easy about that. And so what I'm about to put on the screen, I just got to tell you, is not easy. I get it. I'm not trying to rub salt in the wound, but I'm trying to teach you what the scripture says. And let me just show it to you. Here it is a practical lesson. At Calvary, we lost our right to refuse to forgive anyone of anything they did to us. That's what this story is about. God is the master of the story. And God says, I forgave you an enormous debt you could never repay. And because I did that for you, you in turn need to do that for somebody else. Martin Luther put it this way. He says, when you've experienced Christ, you must go out and be like Christ towards others. I'll tell you something. You're never more like Jesus than when you choose to forgive someone. And so we read verse 35. We're coming to the end of the story now. Verse 35, here's what it says. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. I imagine about this time Peter was probably regretting he ever asked that question. Peter was probably like, you know, I had a plan and it was working, you know. And now I I open my mouth and I ask him and and he told this story. So how do we do this? How do we offer forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. How in the world do we cancel the debt and let them go when it feels like everything within us says they need to pay? How do we do that? There's two things. They're not simple. or Rather, I should say they're not easy. But But there's two things that I want to share with you. And then we're going to try to bring this to a close. The first one is this. First of all, you need to take the issue seriously because your Heavenly Father does. I want to to show you verse 34 and 35. And I can't fully explain what these verses mean. I, I just, when I read them, I just recognize my Heavenly Father takes this seriously. Because look what it says in verse 34 and verse 35. In anger, his master, and this represents God, the master represents God. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. First lesson is this. You better take this seriously because your heavenly father does. Pa- Pastor, what does all that mean? I'm really not sure. Except that God says this is a very serious issue with me. I take this issue very seriously. So the first thing is, just to take the issue seriously. Uh, and by that, I don't mean that you downplay it by that. I don't mean that you try to act like, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I'm not talking about that at all. No, you, you acknowledge this was real, and this was painful, and this was awful. And you can acknowledge the depth of the pain that you have. You take it very, very seriously. But you recognize God wants you to deal with it. Here's the second thing. You have to decide to forgive. You see, in this story, if we were to go back and look at it again, the master comes to this point where he makes a decision. He makes a decision that he's going to cancel that enormous debt. That guy didn't deserve it, but he had pity on him, and he made the decision to cancel the debt and let him go. He made the decision. God says, you've got to do that too. And in the second half of the story, the man made a decision too. He decided not to. He refused. He made the decision too. He refused to offer that forgiveness. You have to decide to forgive. And here's what I want you to hear me say. Listen to me, listen to me. This is not a feel-good decision. This is a lordship decision. You don't make this decision because it just feels good. It's not going to feel good. Because what everything within you is going to want to say, No, he has to pay. No, he has to apologize. She has to come back begging. You're going to be waiting a long time. This is not a feel-good decision. This is a lordship decision. It's an act of the will. Now because of the times in which we're living, I feel like I've been very nervous about this message. I, I feel like I need to say three things to clarify because I know... I know people, and I know that some of you are going to ask me later, or you're going to send me an email, so let me go ahead and try to answer your questions now. And I'm not trying to make a joke. I, I, really, I really understand why you might have some of these questions, and so I want to try to answer them for you now. So three things to kind of clarify about this story. The first one is this. Forgiveness does not mean that you excuse their behavior. We're not saying, just, you know, just get over it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, just just try to act like it didn't happen. We're not excusing their behavior. But their behavior, their behavior is going to destroy you if you don't deal with it. So forgiveness doesn't mean that you're somehow excusing their behavior. Number two, forgiveness doesn't mean that they don't have to legally face the consequences of their sin. Sometimes I get that question. I'm not going to get into details, but sometimes I get that question. Well, pastor, I can forgive him, but, but, but what about so-and-so? Sometimes people have to reap what they sow. That's scriptural. So forgiveness is not about saying, well, oh, well, don't call the police. No. Sometimes people have to face legally the consequences of their sin. They reap what they sow. You can still forgive them. You can, on your part, cancel the debt and let them go. But sometimes they have to be in the hands of God, in the hands of the government to get justice. Number three, forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to be their best friend. I've gotten this one several times. Well, if I forgive them, do I have to, you know, be buddy-buddy with them again? No, forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is I'm canceling the debt and I'm letting them go. It doesn't mean that you have to be their best friend. You're just not going to hold on to the anger anymore. You're not going to hold on to the bitterness anymore. You're not going to hold on to the resentment anymore. You're canceling that debt and letting them go. Forgiveness is when you can say, I choose to cancel the debt and you don't owe me any longer. I want you to say this with me. I choose to cancel the debt and you don't owe me any longer. Come on, say it with me. I know you don't want to, but do it anyway. You don't even want to say it in church, much you'll to somebody else. Say it with me. I choose to cancel the debt. You don't owe me any longer. I'll summarize it for you this way. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it does change your future. I choose to cancel the debt. You don't owe me any longer. That's forgiveness. Haven't you lost enough time hating that person? Haven't you had enough sleepless nights wrestling with your anger? It's time to find a way to move beyond the hurt. It's time to find a way to move beyond the pain. It's time to say, I'm canceling the debt and you don't owe me any loss. Now you'll have to live that out tomorrow too by the way. And you'll have to live it out next week. And every time you're tempted to pick that back up, you need to say no, I canceled that dad. I'm not going to pick that up. Every time you're you're tempted and the devil will do his best to bring that back to your mind, you you know I set them loose from that. I I'm not holding that against them anymore. I've canceled the debt. I've I've let them go. And you're going to have to remind yourself, but listen to this. Listen, listen, listen. As you do that, day after day, as you remind yourself, I've canceled the debt and I've let them go. As you do that, God's going to renew your mind. And the slimy hands of Satan is going to slip off of your soul. I've canceled the debt. And I've let them go. Now, the Apostle Paul one time was writing to the church at Ephesus. It's interesting what he said to this church, and it really is kind of as a summary of what Jesus taught here. Apostle Paul said these words, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Don't go to the next slide. We'll go back. Uh, it's not your fault, it's mine. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of, I should have highlighted the word all. Paul says if you really want to be right with God and you really want to have a heart that's, that's in tune with God, here's what you need to do. You need to get rid of some things and get rid of all anger, bitterness, malice. In other words, Paul is saying, you're never justified holding on to it. You're never justified in claiming it and holding on to it. Then he goes on to say, the next verse, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. The only real way to do that is to say, I've canceled the debt, and I'm letting you go. I want you to bow your heads with me. Let's pray about this. Let me summarize it again. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it does change your future. I recognize that for some of you, this is very personal and very painful. But Jesus brings up this story because He knows what a struggle it is for us. Jesus taught this story because He knew how the devil works. And He knew that this is a path of self-destruction. Holding on to my anger, holding on to my bitterness, holding on to my resentment, even when I'm justified in doing it. It's always a path to self-destruction. And so I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you where you're sitting just to pray this prayer. God, would you make me willing to be willing to forgive? God, would you make me willing to be willing to forgive? Pastor, I'll I'll never be able to forget it. God never says you have to forget it. This story is not about forgetting this. The story is about realizing God forgave you of a much greater debt. And He wants you to extend that grace to others. It's not about forget. You'll never forget. You'll you'll remember it. But it doesn't have to affect you anymore. The way you move beyond it is to say, I choose to cancel the debt. You don't owe me any longer. And so for some of you, just clench your fist. If, if you've got a painful past, a memory, a person or a problem, and, and man, this has really been hitting close to home, just, just clench your fist tightly. And now by the grace of God, recognizing that in, in addition to your painful memory, you also have the memory of, of the day Christ forgave you the day He washed all your sins away. And you remember that that day was such a joyful day because the blood of Jesus covered all of your sins. Because of that day, on this day, would you just open your hands and say these words, I choose to cancel the debt. You don't owe me any longer. God, help us to live this out. Thank you that you have canceled our debt that we had towards you, our sin debt that we could never repay. Thank you for the cross of the Lord Jesus that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Help us to live out this desire, this willingness to cancel the debt of others and to let them go. We know that the enemy will will fight against it. We pray that the power of Jesus will prevail in our heart and in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.